Across America, BP supports more than 275,000 jobs to keep energy flowing. Jobs like building grid-scale solar energy in Ohio and producing gas with fewer operational emissions in Texas. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. Welding instructor Alex DeClaire knows VR training platforms like ForgeFX help students master their skills. There's a big learning curve with welding. Virtual reality simulates that exact muscle memory that they need. Learn more at meta.com slash metaverse impact. For exclusive podcasts and more, sign up at patreon.com slash partners in crime media. I'm Rebecca Lavoie, and this is Crime Writers On. Crime Writers On is the original true crime review podcast that digs into true crime, pop culture, other podcasts. And on this episode, a Texas housewife's affair turns deadly after she kills her ex-lover's wife with an axe. What drove Candy Montgomery to murder? We'll discuss the Max original love and death. Joining me to get that done and more is true crime author, TV journalist, and host of the These Are Their Stories podcast, my husband, a love of my life, Kevin Flynn. Hello, Kevin. Hello, Rebecca. Also with us is private investigator, certified pet detective, resident cat lady, and author of the Piper Green series of Cozy Mysteries, Laura Bricker. Hello, Laura. Hey, Rebecca. And I'm also now a bear hunter. You well, can add that to my title. Oh, we're going to get to that. that. Yeah, yeah. And finally, our resident Doubting Thomas, author of the City Trilogy of Novels, host of the Strange Arrivals podcast, and our Patreon Deep Dive Book Club podcast host, Toby Ball. Hey, Toby. Hello, ma'am. All right. So, Kevin, this is obviously... <laughs> what? That's a Jesse Plemons call out. Uh-huh. Okay. This is obviously Thursday's show. What is coming up on Monday's program? Yeah, Monday, right before the end of the season two finale, we're going to be talking again about Yellow Jackets. Yellow Jackets season two. Okay. Oh, Jesse Plemons. Bless his heart. I do love Jesse Plemons. Um, so, Laura, what about the bear? You have a bear terrorizing your community. It's making news. Is it a cocaine bear? <laughs> no, it's not a cocaine bear. And it's not. You guys have had bears in your neighborhood. You've taken oh, pictures. Like in our yard. Black bears, yeah. Yeah, black bears, in your, yeah. yeah. And these are black bears. So there's a mama bear and two cubs that have been on my side of town. And every day on, we have like this community forum on Facebook for our town. People are like, oh my God, bear. It's like bear hysteria. Um, and so like, and it's been on, there's a trail behind where I live where I walk quite often and the mo- they've been out there. So, um, you know, it's all the talk. So I've been, I've been keeping my eyes open because I actually wouldn't mind seeing the bear. But so far, no luck. But I like when I walk my loop around at night, like some of the older ladies in the neighborhood are afraid their dogs are going to be eaten. And Mm. I'm like, the bear does not want your dog. No, they don't. It wants nuts and fruit. Yeah. And And small um, game. It might eat small And it might eat chickens. It might get get into the chick. Because I talked to the fish and game people. It it might eat some chickens. If your dog goes after it, it's probably going to like swat your dog. But anyway, so it's been it's been great fodder in my neighborhood because everybody is like, oh. So then I'll like taunt people. I'll be like, I'm going out in the trail right now. You know what? You know what? Willie, your dog is a coyote, not a bear. Oh, yes. Oh, yeah. Coyotes are. Yes. And I have heard them. I've been sleeping sometimes with my windows open and I do hear the coyotes. But the bear is just like providing for her children. So, yeah. For those who live in a different part of the country, black bears are very different than brown bears. They're not 
as aggressive. And I'll tell you, I don't know if you yeah. know this fact, Laura, that no one has been killed by a black bear in New Hampshire in nearly 200 years. Yes. But so you can startle them, especially if they're in a dumpster. Our next These door- are the people where like, they open the dumpster to throw trash and, and then oh! black bear jumps out. But our they, next door yeah. neighbor almost got killed by a black bear a couple of years ago. <laughs> Remember that? Oh, no. We had a black bear with two cubs in our neighborhood and it was like on a tree, like right around the corner from our house. And our next door neighbor, remember, like got really close to her and she started like running. And, and yeah. I, and I was like running and I was like taking pictures and stuff. And he was like, oh, he's like, I get close to them all the time. And he was like, a pro. I was like, what the fuck are yeah. you doing? <laughs> Doesn't matter the animal. animal. Do not get between mama and the, the Bruin cubs. Yes, yeah. I, he didn't realize the cubs were across the street in the oh. tree. So he was like, you know, just t- you know, as close as you would get to a bear that you know isn't going to bother you, which you should not fucking do. I'm not saying it was a good idea. But he, she started loping across the street toward her cubs, not, and it looked like from my perspective that she was running toward him, which she wasn't. But I have the video. It is so scary. And I started running home. So on the video, you can hear me, me running home and screaming. <laughs> a black bear did a lot of damage to a tree in our front yard. Yes. It rubbed all the bark off. If you know, like they, they, they scratch their back by leaning into a tree and like going up and down and you come out the next morning, all the bark is like rubbed off of one side. You're like, what happened here? It's like, it was a bear. It also mashed our apple tree in half, remember? Oh, yeah. We just, that's <laughs> oh what they want. Oh, my God. Yeah. We had town Facebook groups, right? They're yes. insane, our small town Facebook groups. And our small town Facebook group, on one of the trails where I walk, there was a tree that had obviously been damaged by a bear. Obviously. Oh, I remember, I remember Scratch this. Scratch marks, debarked. Some Karen was like, <laughs> there are teenage vandals ruining the trees on my favorite trail. And I was I like... What? And I, I got into it because I was like, this is perpetuating a culture of fear. This is fucking bullshit. I was like, what the actual fuck are you talking about? I didn't use that language, but I posted some photos from the Audubon and it caused a huge fight on my town Facebook page where I got turned into like the lib who was refusing to acknowledge the dangers present in our town. You mean the teenagers? The dangerous teenagers clearly vandalizing trees with their axes. With I'm their like, Oh, I remember hands. that. I'm like, if there are teenagers in the town who want to cause trouble, they're not going a half a mile deep onto your favorite trail with their little axe and like hurting trees. That's not the shit they're going to do. Oy. Oh my gosh. So back to bears. Here's the takeaway on the bears. I talked with the fish and game guys. If you see a bear, you're walking along and it's like right there. You say, hey bear, I'm here. How's it going? In a nice voice. And they said the bear will like walk away. You don't need bear spray in New Hampshire. That's stupid. That's for the grizzly bears out West. Bring an air horn. Yeah. And also maybe put a little bell on Walk, your dog. Wear a bell. Those are my Yeah. What well, yeah. you get as high as you can. Make yourself look as big as possible and they'll just that's great. I think that's you're, sure, you're really just trying to shoot them along. Yeah. They're black bears yeah. make noise. If they hear you, if you have a dog, they will walk away. Yeah. 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 That's what they said. It's just sort of like, just don't freak out. And then um They I don't love, realize like, their own power. <laughs> yeah. So anyway, stay tuned for more adventures from Bear Forest. Just real quickly, we have a pet turkey now. Um, Not a pet, oh, I saw a that. wild turkey coming again. Living under your porch. Lives in our yeah. yard. It's getting the droppings from the, uh, bird, the bird feeder. feeder yeah. And I have named it. Yeah. Clara Pockets. Perfect. Yeah. Perfect. So, but I'm not getting too attached because we also, Laura Bricker, have coyotes around Say here. their name. Yeah. <laughs> I've got, my only wildlife living on my property is we've got two big ass woodchucks. Ooh. Yeah. They, they can be destructive, right? Yeah. They uh, they live under our, our like tool shed and then they come out and they uh, 
lie on the lawn in the sun on their backs and just like <laughs> catch the rays. But they're like hypersensitive. Like if you like, like you'll see them through the window and you want to go out to get a better look and they like pop up and they're like looking around and then they just retreat and run underneath at this sign of anything approaching them. Do you have photos that you could share with us? Cause I would love to see your woodchucks. Uh, I will try to remember to do that next time. All right. How many chucks can Toby chuck? Yeah. So they're just out there freeing the nipple? Is that the way on their back? <laughs> uh, that, apparently. Free the nipple. Free the nipple. It's a movement here in the Granite State. All right. Speaking of things that we uh, should be freeing, um, should we talk about the topic of the day today? Yeah, sure. All right. Let's get it done. That was a horrible sequitur. I, I didn't want to say it. Leading off. Well, we should all be thinking about it if we're serious about winning the church volleyball league. And maybe we should consider opening our doors to the Congregationalists. Uh -huh. Don Howard is 6'5 and spikes like a madman. He is great. Well, you know, I dated a Congregationalist once and he insisted on praying before going car parking. Oh. <laughs> no, wait, no, he's Episcopalian. Oh, oh. <laughs> Candy Montgomery seems to have it all. A loving husband, adorable kids, and friends from church like Betty Gore. But to fight the mundanity of suburban life, Candy propositions Betty's husband, Alan. Would you be interested in having an affair? It's just something I've been thinking about, and so I wanted to say it so I don't have to think about it anymore. Okay, well, I got my answer. No, no, it's just... It's just um... I don't think I could. After the affair runs its course, Candy and her husband Pat are closer than ever. But a visit to Betty's house turns deadly when the women fight over an axe. I'm gonna have another baby. You can't have him. You can't have him. You can't have Betty. What are you doing? What are you doing? I'm gonna kill you. Elizabeth Olsen stars in the Max original Love and Death, chronicling the 1980 murder that captivated the nation and spawned a different miniseries about the case on Hulu less than a year ago. Why would Candy kill Betty with 41 blows from a three-foot axe? Was it the affair or did she just snap? Spoiler alert, we are going to be talking about plot points from Love and Death, such as it were, since it's a true story. So if you want to remain spoiler-free, go to the estimated time code in our show notes for our thumbs up or thumbs down reviews. Can I make a quick confession? Sure. Because you were saying how we got up so early this morning to like do this stuff and I was yeah, writing the script. Yes, that in the last show, yes. Um, I just, I literally copied this, the intro from Candy. Oh. And I just pasted it in and added So if people go back and listen to our review of Candy, they're going to hear- Read the show notes from from both. Oh yeah. my God. And then you dropped in clips from- Hopefully different clips. Yeah, different clips. Yes. <laughs> so one thing I just want to make mention of, even though it's a superficial thing, is anyone besides me surprised? I know it's a superficial question that the, or maybe an artistic choice that they made to in no way make an effort have Elizabeth Olsen resemble- Candy Montgomery in this miniseries at all. She looks does, nothing like her. Does it matter? I mean, nobody knows what she yeah. looks like anyway. It's, well, not, it's not like doing do, a but now Muhammad we do, Ali biopic where yeah. somebody didn't look like Muhammad Ali. People would be like, "What? what is this? But also, this is the kind of thing where everybody Googles it, like after they watch yeah, it. Yeah, no, I, I agree. I, I agree, Rebecca, because we, well, I did, because I wanted to know if Alan really looked so lumpy in real life. So I went and looked him up. So he didn't look anything like the real Alan either. But she, I think because last year when we had, it was Jessica Biel that played Candy in the last version, right? Yes. 
Yeah, she went full perm. And she had the big old glasses and she looked just like her. Now, this one was more like hot, sexy candy. We had a lot more sex in this one than we had in the last one. Yeah. Um, I, I don't think that's you know. the deficiency in this mini <laughs> Listen, I, I know it's a superficial question. I was just really struck by it because it yeah. does it does sort of land a different aesthetic to the show. Although I did love the set design in the show a lot. I mm. love the yep. set design specifically yeah. of Candy's home in the show. I think it's a super, super, superlative. Split level. Split level uh, MCM house. So, Toby, how do you feel about the level of fleshing out they do with Candy Montgomery and the characters in this? Because I remember you liked Candy, the other miniseries, quite a bit. Yeah. So what's weird about this, and I, and I think it's it's hard not to compare it with Candy, is it feels like this is supposed to be sort of more realistic. Like Candy was definitely, I don't know if farce is exactly the right word, but there was definitely like high camp aspect to it. This is supposed to be sort of more realistic. But, like, none of the characters, I mean, even Candy to an extent, is just super, super flat. Like, she doesn't seem like a real person, really. She's just, like, a character who this different stuff happens to. I, I guess it's the writing. I, I mean, Elizabeth Olsen and Jesse Plemons, in particular, are both very good actors. And I think they're they're good in this. They just don't have a whole lot to work with. And if you're going to make, I don't even know how many parts this is going to end up being. I, you know, seven, seven parts. Good Lord. So this absolutely should have just been a two, two hour movie. But given that it's seven parts, you would think a lot of it would be character development and getting sort of into the interiority of these people. And as far as I can tell, there's almost none of that. Like, it doesn't even seem like candy really changes much from before the murder when she's just a philanderer to after the murderer when you would expect her to be super stressed, but there's just not that much of a change in her. So anyway, it's just kind of strange. Like I I don't, I don't understand what the writing of that script, like who, who wrote it, like what they think they were exposing about these characters or showing about these characters. Cause it just seems like it's, it's chess pieces moving around a board. It's very literal. This happened and this happened and this happened. Kevin, do you think it is fair to critique this with Candy sort of as a benchmark for this? Yeah, and I'm just going to answer Toby's question very briefly because I do want to come back to it. The writer of this is David E. Kelly. Really? The TV writer did Ally McBeal, The Practice, things like this. Um, and, and Big Little Lies, actually. We always try very hard when on crime writers on not to compare the same story in different medium. Uh, right. So we had over my dead body and then we had tiger King and then we had Joe versus Carol. And those are all three different types Doctor of death and Dr. Death, Dr. Death and Dr. Death. Yeah. You know, that's a little closer because it, when we look at the way that three different writers and directors and organizations present the story, it's hard, but we like, we say like, okay, we're not going to do that. It's nearly impossible because You've got two dramatic miniseries, and especially when they come 11 months apart from one another, it's just nearly impossible to like look at one and forget about the other and what they're doing in the same way. What are they mirroring? You know, what's the casting like? We just already talked about the freaking hair. I mean, it's just like it's all that. And I got to say that, you know, love and death is inferior to candy for a lot of reasons. And I, I agree with Toby also, the pace here is very slow and low energy, right? 
and just the way all this stuff is delivered and like was that volleyball game really sexy i don't know i don't think so that was also Not an like element the jessica in, one, yeah. yeah that was also an element in candy so it, it i i think it is absolutely fair to compare the two i really really do so dr death i believe was on peacock which is like it's like hulu adjacent mm, yeah, right? yeah, yeah it was it was on peacock and i think we ended up watching it on hulu or whatever um and and dr death and candy have some dna in common where they took a style, they made it very stylized, both of them. They sort of took the basic story and elevated it with some time jump stuff, with some, um, like, se- not letting your storytelling, with some sequencing, yeah. some interiority. And you really got a sense. I, rem- I remember watching Candy and really understanding like the potential motivation of somebody that you really can't know. Like, you know, this, I think, story is making the case, as the lawyers did in in Candy's case, of a very lost person who's living a life in which she initially feels sort of trapped and stultified, which she, which is why she goes for this affair. And then when it ends and, you know, sort of all this childhood trauma comes of snaps, right? The other version, Candy, really makes that case in a way that, you know, sort of shows that interiority like in a very fraught way. And this just doesn't. It just doesn't show that. Like, you never see Elizabeth Olsen suffering in any way. She's just like making sandwiches and cookies and staring and, off into space and, and seemingly enjoying herself in her life most of the time and then snaps. I mean, it's just it's it's a very odd and non-complex um, linear way of telling the story, which I don't think works. Laura, what did you think of the chronological uh, version of the story that we, we get here? Yeah, I, I think I mean, I, I agree with what you know, Kevin said the pace because it was told chronologically was so freaking slow. Like I was like, oh, my God, we're through three episodes before the murder happens. And I get that they want to, you know, in this story, really set up like how the affair played out and in this, you know, quiet little town with the church people and everything. But there was really because of the way it was told, nothing to really feel like this was being propelled forward for me. I mean, it was just like, oh, here we are in a hotel again. Oh, look, they're finally trying a different position. Oh, look, she's making him lunch again. Like, it just didn't really give any sort of suspense or any sort of tension and really kind of blended together. And I think what you were saying about comparing Candy, you know, how she was in the version we saw last year on Hulu versus this one. I mean, we don't actually see her start to emit any sort of real emotion until the hypnosis scene. I don't want him! Why are you doing this? Betty! What is she doing now? Tell me, Candy. You stop! You stop! Stop! Stop it! Stop! And then she's back to being all like, buttoned up again. So like Toby said, two hours would have been fine. We could have built up this affair. And, you know, there maybe was a different way to tell it, but it was more like a lifetime movie in this version. Yeah, I and I, Laura, I actually think it wasn't until episode four uh, out of seven that we didn't get that we didn't get the uh, the murder. Except the only thing yeah. we got was in the very beginning, we see like blood in the the shower and that's all the indication we have that this is where this is going. And by that, we don't get any mystery that, you know, the, the way that you create tension in any story is, is you use 
mystery or surprise. And we don't even really get the sense that, like, this is something we should be thinking about. It's not mysterious. I mean, you absolutely know I'm going to eventually break into a, a the business section. Oh, so much suspense, Kevin. Yeah, I mean. I was know, feeling the suspense. People wonder, when's that going to happen? You is just it gonna snapped. Ha- you it's, snapped. It's like one of those things that Alfred Hitchcock would do. You see the time bomb stuck under the table, and you're wondering when it's going to go Chekhov's off. Chekhov's business section. It's Chekhov's business section. Exactly. So, uh, right now at uh, patreon.com slash Partners in Crime Media. Toby was very impressed with that metaphor. Check out his business. Was he? Very good. Yes. Uh, we get all sorts of great exclusive podcasts like the CWO After Show, Toby Ball's Deep Dive Book Club Podcast, Laura Bricker's Leave It to Bricker Podcast, and our Married With Podcast in which we uh, dispense advice. Also want to let you know we have, if you probably know by now, a new Patreon level where you can get ad-free episodes of Crime Writers on early. If you're listening to this on Thursday, you could have been listening on Wednesday because you just wanted to hear more about love and death so much faster. also want to let you know that uh, you can get great insight into what's happening in Crime Writers on World by signing up for our newsletter. Very simple. Go to CrimeWritersOn.com. It's free. It's free. It's fun. Just put in your email address. What you're going to get every week is you're going to get a little message from one of us. You're going to get a look at CWO BTS. What does BTS stand for, Rebecca? Uh, behind the scenes. Behind the scenes. It's also the name of our K-pop band. Not Oh, it's our K-pop? I thought yes. CWO was our CWO BTS. Yes. You should see Toby working on those dance moves. Yes. And Laura on auto-tune. Yes. Um... So, That's a very good auto-tune impression. Thank you. <laughs> Do thank you believe in life after love? <laughs> <laughs> so a lot of fun stuff. Also, you get to see a picture of Laura's uh, cat of the week or pet of the week or snail of the week or whatever it is. So it's, it's yeah, really fun. Yeah, which will be um, featured in my next Leave it to Bricker, a real behind-the-scenes blow-by-blow of our last cat of the week. Can't wait. The mouse. Ah, mm-hmm. it's a cat and mouse game, apparently. And, you know, we just say, like, if you get in at the let's do what we do level, you get 15 exclusive podcasts a month. And while that's a great deal, especially compared to what other people on Patreon, not calling anybody out, but like what they're asking and what you get. It's a great value. But also it's really important to us because this is the money that sustains us. Yes. And allows the four of us to do what we do and not have to get a job at the, where is Pat working? Oh, they're painting and wallpaper business? Yeah, exactly. We don't have to go and do that. All oh, this Cover is pretty girls. much like. <laughs> exactly. So it's really important for us that you help us out this way and sustain us. And we hopefully, hopefully we, we show our appreciation by giving you great stuff. All right. So Kevin, before we wrap up the business section, do we have any Patreon patron saints of the week this week? Our Patreon patron saints are Paul Minotti and Karen Denmark. Bless you. Thank you, Paul. Thank you, Karen. Thanks to everybody who supports us on Patreon. Thanks to everyone who does it and just listens to the business section anyway. We love you all. And Kevin, I'm going to wrap up that uh, business section right now. Yeah, let's make you do that. I'm going to go back to shit down this, uh, this miniseries. Fade that music out. Across America, BP supports more than 275,000 jobs to keep energy flowing. Jobs like building grid-scale solar energy in Ohio and producing gas with fewer operational emissions in Texas. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America.
VR training platforms like the one developed by Fundamental VR and Orbis International are helping surgeons train over and over before operating on real patients. As you practice each skill, the muscle memory starts to develop. Learn more at meta.com slash metaverse impact. Whatever job you need to do out there, grab the right tool to get it done. The new F-150 with an available hybrid engine and up to 7.2 kilowatts of pro power on board to power things on the go. It's not a tool you'll hang in a tool shed, but you can certainly use it to build one. The new 2024 Ford F-150. Tough this smart can only be called F-150. Available starting early 2024. Optional features the owner's manual for important operating instructions. So, Toby, I do have a character in this miniseries that I love. A lot. Don Crowder, Candy's lawyer, played by Tom Pelfrey. I think the performance is great. I also love his taxidermy and his tan. Uh, what do you think of Don Crowder as a character and his set pieces that surround him? Yeah, well, the best thing about this entire miniseries is his desk, which is a glassed-in <laughs> diorama of an armadillo and some other stuff. I, it's quail. unbelievable. <laughs> Like, I, I don't know if there's like an Emmy for, uh, you know, prop procurers or whatever, but whoever found that was a genius. Uh, or maybe they Somebody made had it. to shoot them all. Yeah. So, uh, first of all, I was like, who is this guy? I feel like I know him, but it turns out it's Laura Linney's brother in uh, who gets sacrificed in the third season of uh, Ozark. Ozark, right? Oh, it's wow. right, Ben. Yeah. No, he does a great job. Like, he's. I, I think, like you said, I think he might be the most interesting character in that he is sort of a narcissistic kind of blowhard who basically fesses up. It's like, I talk a good game in the church parking lot, but I do not try these kinds of cases. Here's the thing about trials. They're fuck fests. Both sides trying to fuck each other over. It's not cat and mouse. It's not a chess game and it's not civil. I'm not going to go gently on them. In full disclosure, I won't be treading lightly on you. If we're going to win this, I need to take over and you need to do everything I tell you. Okay. The way he acts like in the courtroom and with the press and stuff just seems completely unhinged uh, in mm -hmm. a lot of ways. And, and that, you know, quite honestly, is the, is the interesting part of th this whole thing, I guess, is that she puts her trust in this guy who doesn't have the relevant experience. And instead of being kind of you know cautious or approaching it with trepidation he's like fuck it just guns blaring like insulting people talking to the press you know all this stuff thinking you have to go on the offense to provide a good defense on venue mr crowder i've seen your papers and i am not impressed actually judge those papers are meant to be read if you look closely you'll see words on them arranged in a particular order even yeah, so I, I thought he was good. There, there's some funny, there's a very funny scene of him tanning by the pool. And oh, yeah. It's, <laughs> he's got quite a tan. I'll give him that. Uh, it's, it's not a great comment on your show when the most compelling character is a person who is just a very, very, very bit person up until like the fifth episode. And then they kind of come through a little bit more, but that's after four episodes of boringness. And and I guess that's part of it is that the main characters like are basically their lives. I mean, it seems as though they have an affair because they're bored and because they have sort of 
their, they're bored. Their, 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 lives, <laughs> their lives with their spouses are kind of dissatisfying to them. But people have wrung good stories out of that stuff. People have wrung suspense out of that stuff. There's nothing like Candy doesn't seem to feel any guilt about it or any trepidation. And that's fine. That might be real, but you could at least play that as being like a little bit deviant or, or like there's something weird about that, like play up that part. But instead it's just kind of like, well, this is one of the things I do in the afternoon. Then I go home and make dinner for my, my family. And then, you know, we, we take my lover's kid to go and see star Wars and, it's just it's just so weird. It's just all sort of played without any kind of suspense or any kind of anything. It's just like this happened and then this happened and this happened and this happened. And then suddenly Candy murders his Jesse Plemons, his wife. Yeah. And I was going to say, speaking of the wife uh, of Betty, I think the Melanie Linsky version of Betty, I felt more of a window into her angst and her life. I felt more sympathy for her. This version, I definitely felt like more of the focus was on Candy. And I didn't really feel as connected with that character of Betty so that when she died, I was like, eh, well, she's dead. Um, Oh, both, you know. both portrayals made Betty unlikable, which everyone said she yeah. was. But I they think didn't my, say that till the end. That right. was the thing. I, the Melanie Linsky performance. I was like, she's so good. Why is she such a such a sad sack? I don't get this. The one thing that Love and Death did, which was better, is eventually Crowder says a lot of people didn't like her, and it's like clicks in. Like, oh, that's why she's written this way. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, mm-hmm. yeah, yeah, yeah. I was going to say, Toby, I'm so glad you had that. We have the same note about Crowder because he is the only character that comes alive, right, in this whole thing. And I guess it really shouldn't be a surprise because, like I said, the writer is David E. Kelly, who put together The Practice and Ally McBeal, and he's clearly most comfortable writing lawyer characters. And Pick what, offenses. And what if instead of the way they did this, it was framed as a legal drama with Crowder as the lead character. And he has this client who comes in and it's candy and that's the way they tell the whole story. It would be different and it might even have a chance of being really good. But I feel like David E. Kelly, like he really missed an opportunity here to write for the better characters. I think he just needs to do a lot of cocaine again like oh, he did doing TV and maybe oh, it'll be a lot better. Really, that's a great really. idea. That's, That's a, a really good I mean, I'm thinking of Aaron yeah. Sorkin. I don't know. Yeah. I think you're thinking of Aaron Sorkin. Have some more yeah. cocaine. Yes. You stinker. Yes. The cocaine bear. Yes. Although, although, Laura, you like me do like the set pieces in this because like you made you made a note too about the fried chicken lunches in the motel rooms. Like, oh yeah. Yeah. Like the details in the show. I, I will like very much compliment the details in the show. The wardrobe, the set design. The, the down to the dishes, it does, it feels very real without feeling too costumey to me. Like, what, what did you think about those details? Yeah, no, I, I like the, as coming as like a period piece from this time, I felt like, you know, like you said, the kitchen was right on that like wood paneling. And then when she finally paints it, um, her friend that's at the hair dresser, like, I mean, that also rang very true. I loved the hotel room itself because it was just so vintage looking and how she went out of her way to set up these little tablecloth on the table with the bottle of wine in the middle. And she'd put out the, you know, and they'd have the, it was like very, you know, again, at that point, very planned out. And I also, I mean, probably one of the more lively parts of this entire show for me were the scenes with Candy in the car where she's like singing along to the music. They had a good soundtrack. 
Mm. Um, and she's driving and singing, except after she, you know, whacks Betty and then she has to turn off the music. She can't listen to like, was it like my Sharona or something? Yeah. But, yeah. Uh, <laughs> you know. Well, I think those are supposed to be, I will tell you what my interpretation, those, those are supposed to be her cracks showing her singing in the car. Cause she's very manic in the car. Like she does the singing in a very intense way. We also see when she's disco dancing, which by the way, that scene was also in candy, the disco dancing scene. Cause they did go out dancing. Apparently they supposed to be like her letting go like a little bit. So we're supposed to see like her chinks, I think coming loose in those singing scenes. Cause you notice like the specific intensity with which she sings along. is like, change so- your mind. <laughs> you could dance, you could dance, you could dance. Yeah. Yeah. So Kevin, what were you going to say? Well, I was going to say the same thing. I didn't think that part worked. I just felt like they were checking off a box here. Like let's make sure everybody knows it's the late seventies and early eighties. And let's put in all the great AM radio hits and have her listening to them. And then mm. they got to go out disco dancing to make it, Seem like it was, you know, uh, you know, they're just waiting for Star Wars to come out and shit like that. I just thought it was too on the nose. I just felt it felt really performative. Huh. Let's talk about the hypnosis scene. Because I suppose it must have happened, right? Uh, I, I guess. don't know. I didn't. Uh, that's that's something I didn't look up. But I, I if mean, David E. Kelly wrote it. We then, all yeah. remember the outcome of this trial, right? We all remember yeah, that she yeah, was yeah. acquitted, right? <laughs> just spoiler. <And> apparently, because <laughs> I Googled when I was Googling what people look like in real life. She's a therapist now. Yeah, she's like a mental health oh, person. physician. Yes. Heal uh, myself. Yeah. So we all, that's not a spoiler as far as I'm concerned. No. It's real life. We're um, in the spoiler part. Yeah. So we all know she was acquitted. So we all know that Tom Crowder ultimately is the right lawyer or whatever. Um, so I, I, I'm, I'm, because the show is sticking to so many beats, I haven't, now I have not actually Googled this part. I'm assuming that the hypnosis thing was based on a real thing. I can look it up after. Um, but what do we think of the scene as it happened? Let's just judge it based on the merits in the show. It's fucking stupid. <laughs> <laughs> Amen to that, Toby. No, I mean, it's, it's like stupid on so many levels. It's stupid. Just the way it, it, it's done where it's like, you know, this is the reveal, right? In some ways it's like the emotional reveal, even though, you know, she did it. It's like, okay, now you kind of get like, why, but again, they don't know it at the time, but we know it now. And that should probably have something to do with it, which is that doing this regression hypnosis stuff is bullshit. So if if it's going to end up being played, like they did this co- completely bullshit thing and this, this sort of informed the way they went forward. And isn't that ironic that it worked out or whatever? Like maybe that's something, but that's not the way it seemed like when they were doing it. I mean, it made it look like, okay, this is legit. Look, we're sticking her with a pin and she's not even reacting to it. Like the the whole thing is like, is she faking? No, I can jab her with a pin and she doesn't react. It's like, well, <laughs> and now she's cold. I'm not even <laughs> goosebumps. Like what, what's going on here? What is this proving? I, the whole thing was just dumb. <laughs> Laura, you didn't like the hypnosis scene either? No, I, well, I was just, for me, I was like, oh, finally some action because the rest of this was so slow. But it was just, I think it was just so over the top. It didn't come across as at all realistic, you know, and, and to go with hypnosis and lie detectors. And, you know, we also see lie detectors being used in this, which we know now are totally not credible or reliable. But, you know, we saw, I believe her and Alan both taking a lie detector test, which again was a little With insane. no payoff because we never hear what the result Yeah, right. yeah they're just like, <laughs> were you doing this? Were you? And she's like, no. I yeah, refuse okay. to answer that question. I'm not going to answer know any if... questions about the washroom. And it's like, oh, all right. And then you never hear about it again. Yeah. Like, okay, that was just like a blip on the scene there. But, you know, so it goes. And I feel a little bit like, I do feel like the husband, Candy's husband in this one, honestly, he's a little more appealing than Alan. Patrick you know? Fugit. 
Yeah. Mr. Almost I mean, Famous. Mm, yeah. 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 I liked him better than Alan. I didn't like him at the beginning. I was like, oh, fucking Pat it was like, is like ignoring his wife who's literally just like wants to like hold his hand on the couch. But he grew on me. Kevin, what do you think about Pat? Pat. Pat. I thought he was, I, I, I liked the actor. I thought he was okay. At least he wasn't, he didn't spend the whole time like making dopey face and just like. Staring mm, into space. Oh, you want to have sex? Mm. (laughs) Jesse Plemons is very underutilized in this movie. Oh, yeah. It's funny. Both Jesse Plemons and uh, Kristen Ritter, who plays the other friend, they are really two of their generation's, like, best character actors. And the only brave thing about their performances is their hair. (laughs) (laughs) So... Yeah, and of course, I mean, Elizabeth Olsen, right? I mean, she, I, I thought she was transcendent in WandaVision. She was a great, you know, we thought it was a great casting pick. But all these characters are just, the performances are flat. The writing for them is flat. They can't, you know, sometimes you can rescue bad material, but I just, it didn't happen here. It was really surprising for prestige television, and I'm using air quotes. I'm thinking, you know, I would listen to an episode of Married with Podcast if the two of you went to the whatever that retreat Marriage was Encounter. Marriage Encounter and did some journaling. Like I would be there for the Patreon level to listen to Kevin and Rebecca go to Marriage Encounter. Do our 10 and 10. Oh my God, the Marriage <laughs> Encounter. I am so completely obsessed with his 1970s, like marriage self-help things like est and mm. marriage encounter i and tupperware and i fucking loved it when <laughs> my my the one scene i loved in this was when candy comes home and says to pat i want to do marriage encounter and he goes that's a cult <laughs> 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 but, but the, the lobby of that hotel was amazing <laughs> great set design <laughs> yeah. i'm telling you the set design on this show is the star of this fucking show they're like where do we find wood paneling her little k jeweler's heart necklace the set design on this show is the fucking star the the, the new sanctuary of the church which is like apex 70s architectural design. It is the star of this damn show. Across America, BP supports more than 275,000 jobs to keep energy flowing. Jobs like updating turbines at one of our Indiana wind farms and producing more oil and gas with fewer operational emissions in the Gulf of Mexico. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. As a professional welder, Shayna Ford uses Forge FX to practice over and over, which helps her improve her skills. The more muscle memory that you have, the smoother your weld is. Learn more at meta.com slash metaverse impact. Whatever job you need to do out there, Grab the right tool to get it done. The new F-150 with an available hybrid engine and up to 7.2 kilowatts of pro power on board to power things on the go. It's not a tool you'll hang in a tool shed, but you can certainly use it to build one. The new 2024 Ford F-150. Tough this smart can only be called F-150. Available starting early 2024. Optional features the owner's manual for important operating instructions. All right, let's do what we do. Let's let our listeners know, should they check out the Max Quote original, Love and Death? Laura Bricker, what do you think? Thumbs up or thumbs down for Love and Death? Um, I'm going thumbs down. I, I guess I have a lot of questions about this. I mean, I, first of all, 
Why did we need a second docudrama about this case less than a year after the last one came out? I mean, is there really that much interest? Are there no other cases that we can focus on? Um, I think the pacing for me in this was really slow. It was it was kind of boring. You know, it was just because it was just slow and drawn out. And we had some really great actors, actresses in the roles in this. But I don't feel like that was enough to get over the pacing with this and just kind of the overall lack of suspense. Um, I did like the costuming from the 70s. But aside from that, um, I'm going thumbs down. Toby Ball. Yeah, I'm a thumbs down, too. I mean, this is it was boring. It was super slow. You know, the script it kind of reads like a Wikipedia entry in some ways. I mean, it's just, there, there's not like the things that you want to see from prestige television or just actually any television or movie with like a little bit of insight or characterization or suspense or any of these normal things that you expect to see, like they're just missing, you know? I mean, there's just none of it there. So instead you're kind of watching these situations play out without any kind of investment in what's going on. There's no attempt, as far as I can tell, to create suspense about anything. There's no character who seems complex enough to have more than one side to their personality, except for maybe the lawyer who represents Candy. That hits at like episode five. It it doesn't do it any favors that Candy came out first, I, I, I kind of get that both these projects were probably underway. And then it was like, do we just scrap it because the other one's going or what? I think if we'd watched it a little bit in the other direction, it would have been like, oh, okay, we didn't know much about this. So finding out what the facts were, I guess that was all right. And then Candy comes and it's, it's sort of stylized and it has a lot more going on. You'd be like, oh, well, that, that was a much better take. Going in this direction, <sighs> It's just a brutal watch. I, I mean, I just, it was one of those things I was like, oh man, how many more do we have to go get through until we're done? So that all adds up to a big thumbs down. Kevin Flynn. Yeah, I'm going thumbs down too. It might not be fair to review. I mean, to review this on its own, there are so many deficiencies, but it's even more apparent because it is so inferior to candy. I, You know, why press on? When one network has already announced in the trades that they're doing a mini, a dramatic miniseries about a crime from 40 years ago, no less. And maybe it was Hulu who had the audacity to say, well, screw HBO. We're going to go ahead and, and do something. And that little engine that could that they not only did they beat HBO to the screen, they just beat them with a better story. It, uh, it It is dull. It is flat. There is no energy to it. Some great actors are really wasted. And you stinka, David E. Kelly, for not really putting together something that was more I- exciting. Um, it just It just failed on virtually every level. Although maybe the Spotify uh, playlist will be a, a little more. You want to know how uninspired it is? The title. Yeah. Love and Death. Fantastic. That could be anything, you know? Yeah. So that's, that's, <laughs> that's about as much thought, I think, they put into pre-planning this. Yeah. Thumbs down for me, too. The only thing I could think about of why they continued with this production after Candy came out and didn't scrap it was because... Yes, it was underway, but also maybe they counted on like a lack of crossover between subscribers, between the two Mm -hmm. services. Mm -hmm. I mean, that's a possibility because all I could think about the whole time was that after the Elizabeth Home 
uh, series came out starring Amanda Seyfried. They scrapped a film or a project about Elizabeth Holmes that was going to star Jennifer Lawrence. They scrapped it. Oh, yeah. <laughs> or it was, it was a Kate McKinnon thing, and then Jennifer Lawrence was attached. It was a very high-profile Elizabeth Holmes project was scrapped when the Amanda Seyfried project came out because Amanda Seyfried project was like, I mean, the scuttlebutt was because it was like so fucking good that it was just like, we can't, like we just can't make it now. I mean, it may have been scrapped for other reasons, but that was the scuttlebutt that I read. Um, and the, and Candy, like if our listeners, if you haven't watched it, find it, watch it. Uh, um, Jessica Biel is a great actor anyway, a very underrated actor in my opinion who hasn't worked enough, but like it is so fucking good and you should watch it and you should not watch this. <laughs> Except, I mean, and I feel bad because I love Tom Pelfrey. He's like now ascending to be one of my favorite actors. He was wonderful in Ozark. He's wonderful in this. I really, really love Jesse Plemons who was wonderful in Breaking Bad wonderful in this sometimes he plays scary he plays nice he's just very very strong in everything he's in and i love elizabeth olsen i love looking at elizabeth olsen's face in everything she does and her face became boring in this and that is almost impossible to achieve so yeah big thumbs down for me for love and death hey you guys want to know my pitch for a new movie it's about watergate and it's called bob and carl Okay, do you guys want to hear a fun fact about this, too, that we can also talk about leaving? Sure. So the actress who plays uh, Betty, Lily Robb, was like six or seven months pregnant when they filmed this, and they CGI'd out her belly for a lot of the scenes, including the axe murdering scene. Really? And... Elizabeth Olsen like did not want to come at her with the prop axe when she was pregnant. So they put like a body double in for Elizabeth Olsen for those scenes. Fun fact. Wait, they put a body double in for Elizabeth Olsen. So they had a body double attack her rather than put a body double in for the pregnant woman who had the CGI out they her CGI'd stomach. They out her belly for all of her scenes while she was pregnant. And then, she, then Elizabeth Olsen was like, I'm not going to fight with a pregnant woman. That's what I read. All right, that's going to do it for us. But before we go, Laura Bricker, do we have a cat of the week this week? We do. So in response to I posted some social media on Mother's Day, Rocky Flintstone got a little walk about the neighborhood on his harness because he'd been howling at the door. Um, I got to see how some other people were taking their cats out that day, and including one of our uh, New Hampshire photographers, Allegra, who took her cat Frowny out for a stroller ride in a nice yellow stroller. So um, here's to all the crazy cat moms out there who did things with their cats on Mother's Day. Nice. Have you seen those Lucite suitcases for cats that you can put them in mm-hmm. and like pull them around in? <laughs> I love, well, I just love anything where pets are out in unique ways. So there's an elderly man in my neighborhood who rides his, he has this cute little fluffy little dog and you see him walking. But now he's riding his bicycle around the neighborhood and he has a backpack, like a real backpack on, and the dog just sits in the backpack and rides around. They the make whole they make backpacks for dogs. It's very, very but he's sweet. not like totally like in. He's like just sitting up in the backpack. It's like not, there's nothing over the top of him. Nice. It's amazing. Nice. Yeah, I love it. All right, Laura Bricker, folks want to reach out to you on social media and show off how they get around town with their pets. How can they find you there? They can find me at Lara Bricker. And of course, you can submit any kind of animal to be pet of the week at crimeraiderson at gmail.com or go to our Facebook group. Toby Ball, folks want to find you on social media. How can they find you there? At Toby Ball NH. Kevin Flynn, how can you be found? I'm at Kevin P. Flynn. If you want to find me just about everywhere, you can do that at Reb Lavoy. Follow the show at Crime Writers On on Twitter or Instagram. And I encourage you to join our incredible Facebook group. Search for Crime Writers On. We've got a page, but we've also got a group. Join that group. 
Get episodes of this podcast early and ad-free at patreon.com slash partners in crime media. You'll also get the Crime Raiders on After Show, Married with Podcast, Laura Bricker's Leave it to Bricker Podcast, and Toby Ball's Deep Dive Book Club Podcasts. Our theme song was composed and performed by Ty Gibbons. Our line editor is the very, very wonderful Livy Burdett. The executive producer of this program is Kevin Flynn. This show was recorded in the Treehouse Yoga Studio above the Mockingbird Cafe in Bay St. Louis, Mississippi Studio, otherwise known as Studio C, The Closet, in our New Hampshire basement where we also unwind by going to the disco. On behalf of all the crime writers, thanks so much for listening. We will catch you later. I always use my iPhone, the stopwatch on it, to be timing how you know how long we're going, and I forgot it, so I use Rebecca's, and the alerts that keep coming through almost nonstop. It's just like Slack message, Slack message, Slack message, oh my text God. message, weather oh alert, Slack message, Slack message. But I mean, for somebody with ADHD, this is probably fatal. Across America, BP supports more than 275,000 jobs to keep energy flowing. Jobs like updating turbines at one of our Indiana wind farms and producing more oil and gas with fewer operational emissions in the Gulf of Mexico. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America.